for some reason, I was like picturing Russian roulette. Last person standing gets yeah. to record by themselves. <laughs> it's always a one person podcast, no matter how many hosts you start out with. Three developers, one mission build a business to nurture personal fulfillment. It's not stupid, it's Founder Quest. I wonder if any of our listeners are too young to know what soap is. I'm guessing so. Like soap, is, yeah, soap is what we had before REST APIs and JSON. It was it was yeah. interesting. It was hell. Yeah. yeah. I dipped my toes in that water like a little bit and just gave up. Every, every time I, I hear soap, I think of DHH's slide at that one RailsConf early, early on where you had the WS Death Star. <laughs> it's great. Because all of the, okay, so I, sh- I guess I should explain that. It's so all of the, I guess it was schema domain or the namespace, everything started with WS. And so they started referring to the different kind of uh, the different, because there's like, I don't know, tens or 20 or whatever. There were a lot of them. And so they called them WS dash star to represent mm-hmm. all of the schemas that represented that went into the whole SOAP definition. And so, so DHH made fun of it by calling it the WS death star. <laughs> Nice. Oh, I get it. I didn't get that joke to begin with. <laughs> and the schemas are XML schemas. Right. Yeah, it's all, it's all the good stuff. Yes. All, yeah. all the good, fun Java land things that you could ever want. I feel like I remember having at one point to like take a take like a soap endpoint and like build an, like a rest wrapper for it or something so that we could like interface with, I don't know. I can't remember exactly, but I feel like that happened. It was terrible. Level of pain. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you used to like be a con? Didn't you used to like uh, be a freelance? Do some freelance work for like the mouse? Oh yes, Mickey Mouse. Yeah, yeah. that mouse. Uh huh. That just sounds like something they would have had you do. I'm not sure though. I don't yeah. know. We're we're not saying their name just in case they uh, <laughs> decide to sue us, right? <laughs> oh yeah. At yeah. some point, we may want to monetize this podcast and. <laughs> We can't have the copyright. We can't have the copy. Yeah. Well, that um, does sound like something that they would do. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, today, I think, I don't know if we've had like unanimous consensus on this, but I think we're going to talk about like blogging and content. And I've done a bunch of paid content acquisition recently. And you want to talk about that stuff? Sure. Oh, yeah. All right. So I don't know. There was a time like back. Back when like blogs were the thing, right? You started a company, then you needed like a blog. And I'm thinking like 2005-ish, 2007. And I remember sort of getting started blogging. I didn't really know what I was doing then at all. I, I produced some sort of terrible like content with no real purpose. And, and sort of since then, I've learned a lot like you do when you, I guess, kind of do something off and on for a decade. Like, even if you don't really try, I guess you learn some stuff. Like, y'all had blogs too, right? Like, your personal tech blogs. Yeah. Yes. Sadly, pretty, pretty lonely these days. Somewhat abandoned. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think, I think starhorn.com is still up, but I don't know. Don't go there. Don't go there, anybody. Anyway, so when we started Honey Badger, you know, obviously we had to have a blog and we just sort of took the approach that I think a lot of people do, which is, you know, you, write a blog post about what you're working on. You write a blog post and you do a feature, a new feature, and you want to talk about it. Or when, I don't know, just something 
something occurs. And, you know, that, that did fine for a while. The main problem, like I found with that approach, though, is that you just, everybody just gets too busy to write blog posts. Yeah, I feel like back in the day, there was this real feeling like, oh, everybody's having blogs. It's this like community thing of like you link to your friends' blogs and you're like having discussions by writing blog articles back and forth. And like people don't really do that anymore. Like since then, it's become a lot more, I don't know, like when I, I look at a lot of company blogs these days, I just see like, like pardon my French garbage. Like it's, <laughs> you know, the, the earlier, the earlier days of blogging actually were, were kind of, kind of cool. Cause everything was still like, there was no standardization. Like everything was unique. And, um, actually I didn't even have a blog initially. I had a web blog. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure it was a web blog. Oh yeah. And like, I re I don't know, like it seemed much more, much more of a discussion. Cause I guess there was like, people weren't just uniformly on Twitter or I guess Reddit or whatever. Yeah. Whatever people use these days, I don't know. I don't know what the children. They were on are using. all those things that we talked about last episode, or whatever. Exactly. Um, so yeah, but the big problem with like just having everybody do a blog post when they feel like it is that that nobody really feels like it that often because writing is hard, and yeah, it's I don't know. And plus, like when when you're starting a company, you have a billion things to do, and a lot of them feel more important than writing some some blog posts, you know, especially when you don't have a strategy or anything around it. Then, I don't know when this was, is around the time when we start going to a bunch of conferences and stuff, I decided, okay, Star, I'm going to write like one blog post a day. And so I had a flurry of activity for about, I don't know, like three, four, five months where I just turned out tons and tons of blog content. And that actually like, I was really surprised like that started getting some results in terms of people sort of coming up to me at conferences. Like I'd never had that happen before where people come up to me and say, hey, you're a star, like you wrote this thing, that's cool. And it sort of floored me the first couple of times it happened. And then... That started happening um, to me too, by the way, um, where people would come up to me at conferences and be like, hey, you know star? Oh, really? Uh -huh. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, I guess I'm famous. People would always mention your blog posts, still do. Yeah, that's amazing. Like some people still reference these blog posts I wrote years ago. Yeah. So I guess like the one thing I learned there is that like posting frequency is really important, probably more than than quality even. I don't know. I'm not going to say that, but like, like getting stuff out there sort of frequently is, is important. And I actually did some sort of stats analysis type stuff of our, of our overall revenue. I did this about a year ago and showed that like growth in our revenue was correlated to growth in like posting frequency during at least the time when I was when I was doing a lot of posting, which was kind of strange to see. Like, I don't know if it was I don't know if it's causal. Like since then, we've increased our posting frequency and I'm not sure there's been like that direction, directive relationship. But like also the economy's collapsed since then. So it's, it's really hard to say it's apples and oranges. Yeah. And we're also, a lot, we're a lot bigger than, now than we were then. So to see like a lot, it's, we're growing more revenue than, than back then, like to see a, a large increase, at least in the chart. Yeah, definitely. And since then, like you, Josh, have done a lot of, uh, you've done a lot of content stuff. Like you got on a real big content kick for a while, didn't you? I do on and off. I see, I feel like I go between like being, yeah, getting a lot done and getting not much done at all. But 
I, I don't know. I we have the news, the email newsletter. Um, you did the newsletter. You did Ruby, the exceptional creatures. Yeah, exceptional creatures, which is like a uh, I don't know what to call that. It's like an index of uh, Ruby exceptions, but it's themed like with uh, mystical or whatever myth mythological creatures. Yeah, I heard a lot of good comments on that from people. Like they really love people. That yeah, recently. people still like it. Yeah, you can go. It's exceptionalcreatures.com and link it up but yeah it's still it's still there and people people like it we uh i mean like it's got it has like every single ruby exception that there is in it and um we were like writing content about each one but at some point like you can't it, it gets it becomes a little bit um ambitious to try to write an article on every single exception that there is so we covered the top ones yeah, and that makes for good reading. So you should go check it yeah. out. One thing I really liked about that site is that it really sort of, it was along the, the lines of, of earlier Ruby stuff in terms of flavor and content. And now that like everybody's sold out, I feel like everybody really just yearns for that authenticity, mm -hmm. you know, that, that we've all lost. Yeah, if a few people compared it to, why. yeah, why? A few people yeah, compared it to why. Yeah, back and have him write for us. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. We do some, maybe do some uh, honey badger sponsored content from why that would be awesome. <laughs> writing is a super, I mean, writing is like the ability to write well is a, is a super valuable skill for a programmer. Yeah, totally. You introduced me a while back to, um, what was it like the Fieldstone method? Yeah. The Fieldstone method. It was method. a book by, who was the, the author's Jerry name? Jerry Weinberg. Yes, that's right. Jerry, the, um, consultant Bible guy. Yeah. Weinberg on writing. Oh, look at you by got your Gerald um, M. Weinberg. I, I have a bookshelf here, so yeah, I pulled it off. You got your physical copy. <laughs> look at you. I do. You know, I I buy um I often buy like I'll read on uh I'll read on Kindle or, or PDF or whatever a lot, but I also often buy the physical copy for whatever reason. I just like them. You need to get a bookshelf with um with all of them behind you. Yeah, I should. I need more wall space in here for, for bookshelves. But yeah, the Fieldstone method um, is like a way of uh, collecting, I guess, collecting topics, like kind of passively collecting topics to write about or passively like writing throughout whatever, as you have ideas and things. Um, and then basically you can, um, you can over time assemble ideas and, and like little things that you've written into larger pieces of content. And it's worked out really well for us. I think you've, you've adopted a little bit of that technique too, haven't you, Star? A little bit, yeah. I'm not so much for like technical writing, yeah. but I do. I mean, yeah, like part basically the sort of essence of the the technique is that you have like if you want to build a fence out of like stone, um, you could go out and like take all the stones and bring them to the the place where you need to build a fence at once, or you could just when you're out on walks, you could gather stones one by one and then bring mm -hmm. them back, and then eventually you'll have enough to make a fence. So yeah, like I've been doing little little just kind of bits of writing here or there. Like the idea is you just write these little little things as they occur to you, things that are interesting to you, and you just store them away with no real sort of intention. And then sort of eventually, I don't know, maybe they'll coalesce into things. Maybe you have a couple running pieces that you just, you know, gradually yeah. write over the course of, of months. Yeah, part of, part of it is just that you write more. I, I think like my favorite thing from that I took away from that book was 
the the idea that like you you can pretty much like always be writing like you don't have to like like writing isn't the act of like sitting down with a blank page and like having to you know write a whole article start to finish or something like when you feel like you have something to share on a particular topic just like write it down it doesn't have to be polished it's really just for yourself but later you could take that and it might it might become like a paragraph in in an article or something yeah that's a really good point because like i i feel like I'll, everybody you know including myself tends to think about writing as you yeah you just sit down with a link page and yeah with this way it's much more it's much more sort of construction kind of engineering sort of mm -hmm. getting all your pieces together and then you kind of assemble them um in a way that makes sense so so and you use that a lot when um when you're doing the uh the leveling up or when you're starting the leveling up newsletter like we still yeah. have that right like we, yeah we still have still it. Publishing it it hasn't been i haven't published it as frequently as i initially hoped to but yeah um and actually i need to get i haven't i kind of dropped off like adding i haven't been adding our uh normally i take our blog posts um that we have people write and kind of like reformat them for email content and i'll probably get back to that soon i'd kind of dropped off sending emails at all during the uh the lockdowns and p pandemic because i don't know i just didn't really feel like emailing people <laughs> so we'll we'll probably pick that back up here but well, like, that I, makes sense i can tell you josh that, that plenty of salespeople think it's a great time to email people because i'm getting a lot of <laughs> i know well, that's one reason i'm like people are already getting enough like enough emails and no we gotta yeah. we gotta give them some balance though we gotta give them some actual good no, stuff that they totally can read versus yeah. the, hey can i schedule a call you know? yeah i do want to get kind back of capitalists on it? are we like <laughs> i don't think it's a good time to email people like what i have a really i have like, a really hard time ruthless um robber barons <laughs> i have a really hard time with uh like like I love to write and I love to research and I love, I love everything about it, but I find that it's difficult. Like I only have so much like mental capacity and energy for like writing and the creative process. And I like, there's overlap with programming as well. And if I'm like really doing a lot of like engineering work, I find it like, I don't often have like the, like the leftover mental capacity to be creative and right and that's like a constant like a constant struggle back and forth for me as an engineer oh yeah, same i, I think on, on that point this this would be a good place to plug one of our our friends uh, and audience ops right that's mm -hmm. a, a service where they do the writing for you and uh yeah so that basically their argument is yeah you're busy right you've got your mindful of the things so let us yeah. handle all that content writing for you one thing about our um setup which is a bit I, I don't know. I guess it's unique. It's um, or, but we like our audience is developers, right? So if we're going to publish content for developers, it needs to be about development. It's, it's got to be like programming content. And I mean, it's not like we've tried doing other types of content. Like Lord knows, we've tried doing more sort of small business content, more uh, just any anything that we can have a non-developer write. We've tried, but then nobody looks at it ever. Yeah. Like nobody wants to read it. Well, yeah. So I it guess it has that's to why... provide like a ton of value. Like I mean, that's that's the thing, and value costs money. I mean, even if if you if you have like small business stuff that's popular, I mean, it's it's usually because the author has a lot of valuable experience to share and. Yeah. I mean, like, it's hard to find, go just out, find someone random that's going to go like write a business, even though it's easier to find people who can write business articles. Like it's, 
it's more rare that you're going to find someone who actually has like the experience that is going to be valuable enough for people to really connect with it, I think. Yeah. So for a long time, we, um, we stuck with this, just kind of doing it ourselves, you know, set up when we could, you know, primarily because of the, the technical angle. And then about, oh, it, it was, when was it? It was last year. It was as a direct result, I think, of the sort of analysis I did that, that um, correlated blog, blog frequency with um, revenue growth. I was like, okay, well, we've got, you know, I can kind of like estimate how much money, you know, each of these blog posts was making us, assuming like it's, it wasn't just um, correlation, assuming it was, you know, causation. Uh, so why don't we just give that to somebody and have them write a post? Because it was a fair amount of money. It was thousands of dollars. So yeah, so I set out to try that. And that is sort of how we arrived at our current um, setup for publishing stuff. So, you know, if, you've lis- if you listen to the show at, at, to the end, basically every week I, I give a pitch for writing for us. If you go to our, our blog at honeybadger.com, io forward slash blog and you look at the top you'll see a link that says write for us and click on it and you'll get all sorts of information for how to write for us and for money right you know, for money yeah, yeah. exactly it's, it's always exactly. a good dimension so yeah after you know i looked at those those roi numbers um i looked at you know i asked uh i reached out to peter cooper who does who runs cooper press publishes ruby weekly javascript weekly um, a bunch of other newsletters, and he had mentioned um, paying some people to do content. So I reached out to him to ask, you know, hey, I'm thinking about paying people, you know, roughly this this figure, and you know, does that make sense? And he said yes. And so yeah, so we were, we arrived at this figure where we um, are currently paying about five hundred dollars for a blog post, and that is like there's some places out there that that pay more. I think in terms of Not many, um, I don't think. Not many. Yeah. I think that we are sort of in the high range. You know, if I was doing it over, maybe I'd do 400. I know some people are working for 300, but like, honestly, at this point, I'm, I'm not sure I want to go back to my authors and be like, actually, we're going to pay you less. Um, <laughs> we're going to give you a well. Yeah, exactly. We're, <laughs> we're going to give you a hundred bucks less, um, <laughs> even though it doesn't really mean that much to us uh, because, you know, the principle of the thing. So we pay people 500 bucks and, and I've actually been surprised. We've been able to get some really, really good content for that. We've been able to, uh, like most of the, the people I'm working with, a lot of them are developers at sort of tech companies you've heard of, you know, and just, I guess, looking to make a little extra money on the side, looking to, um, like a lot of people are publishing blog posts anyway. They want to they want to write more. They want to sort of do this. And this gives them a way to do it in a way that, you know, first of all, it gives them a little bit of, of money, which is nice. But then second of all, uh, we, uh, because we've been doing this for a little while, we know how to promote blog posts a, a little bit better than most developers do, which is not at all, I guess. I guess we do the bare minimum um, as opposed to nothing. Uh, so, yeah, so people get a, a bit more a bit more good, I, I don't know, good traffic out of that, a mm-hmm. bit more exposure. And so far, like everybody's been pretty happy. Like, you know, I've been pretty happy with the quality of the, the content. We are publishing, you know, 
once a week and we've got a pretty big backlog. I've got like a two month or maybe even longer backlog. Cause I, really? yeah, I'm going to have to start probably turning people down or like, uh, you know, being like, okay, sorry, we, we need to wait a little while before, you know, engaging. have to author. change the, uh, the, the call to action at the end of this podcast to don't write for us. Don't write for us. No. All right. Got, all right stop. <laughs> stop it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's gone it's gone really well so i i thought i would i've been kind of doing this over in a corner by myself and nobody really knows what i've been doing <laughs> except maybe except maybe ben finley so i thought i would just share a little bit of of lessons learned in this because it is kind of interesting i think if you're if you're interested in hiring somebody to do your own content it's i don't know i've 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 learned a few things setting this whole system up does that sound fascinating are y'all mm-hmm. are y'all are y'all thrilled <laughs> All right. So yeah. So when I started doing this, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I basically was very upfront with everybody about that. I wrote our, our writers sort of guidelines and just threw it out into the world. And I figured I would, you know, people would email me, I would talk to them and we would figure something out together. And that's kind of more or less how it's worked. One thing that we really try and do differently at, at Honey Badger is that like a lot of company tech blogs, they're either focused on sort of like keywords related to their industry. And so you get, you know, all these incredibly boring, like jargony articles that nobody wants to read. I don't know who reads these, not me. And other, other tech company blogs tend to be, they tend to be very, what I call sort of tactical. Like they show you, okay, here's how to build a to-do list in Angular in React version, you know, 2.x.x. And in a month, it's going to be out of date. And just sort of, I don't know, out of, uh, I don't really know why, but we have always done things a little bit different. We've always sort of covered more strategic topics, right? Uh, We've always sort of covered things that Mm -hmm. I think are going to be beneficial to readers longer term. It's like more evergreen. Yeah, not only more evergreen, but kind of just more, I don't know, more high level, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, we do our share of how-to blog posts and everything. Those are fine. Yeah. Uh, But I think that, like, I think overall, like the things we've gotten a lot of um, sort of praise for have been either sort of deep dives into a very sort of narrow um, facet of something of, of Ruby or, you know, yeah. something foundational, right? Like something that's not likely to change in the next Ruby version. Like it's. Yeah, exactly. And unlike a, you know, you might think, well, I could just go to the docs for that, right? I can, um, I can go to the docs and learn about Ruby. I don't know, Ruby string methods or something. It's like, yeah, or like open three. Yeah. Like, yes, open three. Yeah. You can go to the docs and learn about that stuff. Yeah. Um, but the docs will basically only tell you about that but, thing. So case in point, if, if you Google it, if you Google, whatever, uh, you know, Ruby open three, like all that stuff, like we will come up. Um, because I know, I know this because I routinely am like programming and I need to Google something for Ruby and I go to, and I go and do it. And like, I, it takes me a minute to realize, oh, I'm, I'm actually like reading our blog now. Oh, me too. Me too. So it, it works. Yeah. So the sort of deep dives that they not only explain like the one technical thing, like open three, but they give you a vertical sort of slice through the, I don't know, through the whole stack. Right. So 
here's open three like what is that actually doing let's let's look at a you know up one level and down one level and sort of explain it and so that's sort of a, a sweet spot for us and another sweet spot for us is to sort of cover these big general topics like like recently one article we did was um, an introduction to character encoding like for rubyus so like a big general topic as applied to historically for us has been rubyus but we've also sort of branched out a bit um, since we support a variety of languages uh, in our product so yeah so like encoding for rubyus we've um, one of one of the things that i did early on that sort of tipped me off to this approach was i did like the rubyus guide to security or something and mm -hmm. It basically just like listed every possible sort of security issue like at that time that people were dealing with and just talked about how it applied to Ruby and Rails development. And that got a lot of, uh, a lot of sort of positive feedback. So th those are the types of things we, um, we look for. So I, I spent a lot of time really honing that and, and figuring it out. And honestly, like I didn't even go into writing this guideline having a clear explanation of all this. I just have these vague, like, oh, well, we've kind of published articles like this and that's done well. So what, and I really had to kind of sit with it and, and think about like, okay, what is it about this article that makes this sort of us? Like, what, what is it about mm -hmm. that? So how did, how did you land, um, or well, how did you end up communicating this to like the, the potential writers in a way that, um, kind of gets all that across? Cause I assume we're, our, our write for us page isn't like, it's not like super, super long. It's, I think it's pretty, it's a pretty brief, like just overview of all of this, but does that come across um, pretty well? Do people kind of know what we're after? Do, do you end up having to like give them a lot of direction? I think some people get it from the, the right for us page. Um, the way I communicated it there is like, I gave a bunch of examples and then I was like, here's the structure of the examples. I basically gave them Mad Libs. Like, um, let me read off one. How does big concept apply to specific situation faced by readers? You know, um, nice. <laughs> this specific detail of a certain programming language is weird. Here's how fundamental properties of the system made it that way. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Uh, that said, like, does, does anyone ever, does anyone ever like submit, an, like write an article and just, it just like leave fundamental properties of the system. Like they forget to fill it in. So. <laughs> No, not really. No. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. So I mean, I'm not sure how much of this people actually read. Some people look clearly have read it all. Some people haven't. So what happens when somebody contacts me? You know, they'll email me. They say, "Hey, I want to write for you." You know, in the the write for us guidelines, I've said, you know, email me two writing samples about programming, some other information. You know, people put that in, and essentially that email, I look at the writing samples. If they seem reasonably okay, then I ask them to book a, a call with me on Zoom. And I've been pretty, I've been pretty open about sort of who I accept. Like if you've emailed me and you have like okay, decent writing samples, I've tended to be like, okay, let's schedule a call. Um, I may have to become a little bit more selective if we, as we get sort of more and more people in, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so then we do a call and I've got my sort of structure of the call that uh, essentially the call goes over all the stuff in the writer's guidelines um, just to make sure they've actually heard it and not just, um, you know, not just sort of skimmed over it. 
because some people, some people may not quite understand everything. Yeah. So then after the call, um, we do a, like, assuming they, they don't like, assuming they act like a reasonable human being on the call. Like the call is basically just about getting to know them, understanding their, the things that interest them. Because honestly, like I like my authors to bring me ideas for, for topics, um, for blog posts, because frankly, like my own experience is, is limited and they come up with much cooler like articles than I would be able to, to like assign to them. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and you're going to, you're going to write much more, you're going to write better about a topic that you care about versus something that somebody assigned to you. That call is basically just getting to know each other. Then I put them in the process. We send them our, our writer's um, agreement. We do that via um, doc sketch via our, like our free account that, that Ruben, yeah, doc sketch Ruben cool. friend of the show gave us. So y'all, y'all should go out and buy doc sketch. We should like, you know, give them a little plug and, and pay them back for that. Uh, an official sponsor of this of this episode. Exactly. Yeah. So we e-sign the author agreement, which is just a, a standard, you know, contract. The terms of the contract are are basically what you would use if you were hiring a programmer to write or to do code. It's work for hire. Um, we own the copyright of all all the stuff that we buy, and I think that's fair because we pay you know a lot for it. But that said, you know we you know we give people permission to to post their own stuff on their own blog after a while and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like the aspect of it that we're like, we're, we're trying to help promote the authors themselves to like, we're trying to help them get their content out there. And um, I don't know. I, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So one thing I really try to do is be very sort of author, author specific. Like they're not like our authors aren't just, and I communicate to them. I hope that like, we're not just like some content mill. Like we are here to help them publish the things that they find interesting and useful and do that in a way that, you know, benefits Honey Badger. And yeah, and we just want, we basically want to, to lift everybody up and be happy yeah. together. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of crunchy, but that's okay. Well, you put a, you put a lot of uh, like production stuff into that to like, like everyone, everyone gets like a custom illustrated headshot, for example. Right. Like, Oh yeah. Um, like an avatar. Yeah. Everybody gets do an we, avatar. We let, do we give that to them? Like they can use that. Like if they wanted to use it other places, even. Yeah. Um, I tell them they can use it for their personal stuff. Twitter. Yeah. So that's, that's why everyone that's like, that's like, there's like 50 people on Twitter that all have this, they're, they're all using this for their, their Twitter photo now. Cause it's so great. We're going to be like the Wall Street Journal with that style. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. We'll have to hire the guy off right. of Fiverr to, oh no, I shouldn't say where I get it done. Um, <laughs> you just, you just blew our source. I blew our cover. Yeah. Now everybody's <laughs> going to get the same one done. Uh, yeah. So initially um, I was using email to coordinate with everybody and just, I don't know. I figured they were writing stuff and I, I was trying not to plan too far ahead. And I quickly found that like when you have five people working on articles and they're all emailing you, it's really hard to keep straight and it's really easy to forget people and forget what they're doing and all that. So that's when we um, moved over to a project management system called ProofHub, which I do not strongly recommend. We basically moved to them because pretty much every project management system that had the kind of 
the features that we needed um, was build per seat. And like, I'm not going to pay $20 a month for a seat for an author who maybe is never going to write an article for us, or maybe we'll write one a month or something that's ridiculous. So they had unlimited seats, basically. Um, and that we've essentially just got a big Kanban board that has all of our steps, right? We have a very set process. So, you know, they do the first draft, um, they get it back to me, I give them high level comments. Usually that involves stuff like stuff that will make the article more approachable to people because people tend to come to writing with their own knowledge and they don't realize that they're assuming knowledge on the part of the reader. And yeah, and so once people get done with that, then, you know, they submit their second draft. This is all done via GitHub. We just do, you know, markdown files in GitHub. And after their second draft, it goes into the editing process, which happens on our end. And I take a very, a very programmery editing approach. Like I think most normal people who do editing tend to like mark up things and send them back to the author and, and all that stuff. I change the files and submit a pull request. And, you know, I tell them that's like, I want, I want all of our authors to be happy with what goes out. So if they're not happy with any of the things in the pull request, like, that's sure, cool. we can change them, we can discuss them. Yeah. But it just seems much easier to do that than to try and like, figure out how to get them to do the exact thing that I want them to do. Uh, I'll just mm -hmm. show them and then they can do it or not. So you submit a PR to their, to their article and then have them review it? Yeah, and then I have them review it. Nice. And then when the PR is, you know, done and merged, um, they get paid um, pretty quickly. And for the editing process, um, that's changed a little bit. Um, the editing process has been sort of by far the more the most time consuming um, thing on my end. And initially, initially, I edited every article to make it kind of sound like I had written it which just takes an enormous amount of time like a couple of the articles i actually like i rewrote a lot of them mm -hmm. and since then um you know partially owing to pandemic because just having less time since then i've kind of like stepped back from that and been like oh, okay like it's okay if people don't explain things in exactly the way i would or maybe the most like simple possible way like that's okay let's just you know take their words, take their writing and sort of make it the best version of itself that we can do. And like, I'll still edit, like I'll still do a heavy headed edit occasionally, you know, honestly, because like um, several of our authors are overseas. So like also like developers in general also just don't tend to be the best at writing introductions to things. So, you know, I, yeah. I, re I rewrite some introductions and then I sort of send it off to this service called um, Scribendi and Scribendi is essentially, it's like a human editor and you send them a file and they send you back the edited version. Uh, it's a little, it's a little bit hit or miss sometimes, um, at least in the beginning, because you just sort of send in your file and then they assign an editor to it. And you just kind of hope that you get back something good. And sometimes it was good. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was just not good. Sometimes people have rewritten things in ways that made no sense technically. But I eventually found, I found somebody on there who gave sort of consistently good results. So now I basically just kind of pop it over to them. And then when they're done, I, I look at the diff. Um, I use a, a program, which I really like called Delta Walker 
which is fun. Uh, the, it's essentially a diffing tool that gives you really sort of in-depth like diffs where it can be like, okay, this m word was moved around inside this line as opposed to like, That's cool. yeah, as opposed to like GitHub where it's just like this line changed somewhere. Yeah. So but there's no like collaborative thing to it, right? Like it's just a, no, it's, it's a desktop app. Yeah. Yeah. But it can do, it can, do, I just have to like, I just have to go off about this tool. It can do PDFs. It can do word documents. It can do directories. You can diff whole directories of files anyway. Nice. Yeah. So then, uh, yeah, once that's done, then I just, I do a PR. Maybe I have to rewrite bits of it if that requires it, but then it's done. So overall, like I think my, my overall impression of this is this took like a lot longer to sort of get going and get rolling than I would have kind of liked. Um, it felt like, yeah. like in the beginning doing the paid content, I just kind of, kept being like, man, this would, I could, I could write articles like quicker than this stuff I'm doing to, to have somebody else write articles and pay them for it. Yeah. Um, a lot of, it sounds like a lot of process that you, that you created over time. Yeah. There's a lot of process, but overall, like now it's kind of like, it still requires work, but it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's process work. It's, it's kind of mechanized work so that if, you know, assuming I'm not like in crazy, like limited quarantine hours, I can do it and then, you know, do some other stuff as well um, during the day. Oh, but you mentioned process. My favorite bit of process today, I almost forgot, is that when it comes time to publish these articles, like one thing that always, I always hated was actually sort of publishing the article and taking the markdown file, bringing it into our, our static site generator. And, you know, and then in that, in that file, in that static site generator file, adding a description to it and just adding the title because like, okay, I was always worried that I was going to misspell something or, and you know, like code editors don't have the best spell check. And it's just, I don't know, like it always just stressed me out. And then also we had this issue where um, our marketing guy, who's not technical, he would have to ask all these questions about, okay, like what is this article about? Um, what, like, who is this for? How do I promote this? So what I actually did is I came up with a, it's a blog post um, marketing template. And I'm really, really happy with how this has turned out. Essentially what it does is it steps you through a list of questions, right? So um, like, you know, obviously like title, but then it asks you like, who is this for? Like, could you explain what this is about for a reasonably intelligent, non-technical person? Which is, I mean, that's our, that's our marketing guy, Ben. So hi, Ben. Yeah. So that's basically for him. So he can understand what it's about. Then it's like, okay, so what, what good does it do the readers? Um, what are they going to learn? Like, when is it going to be useful? These sort of very simple marketing questions. And by the time I write those, like those are not supposed to be published. Like those are just for internal use. So I don't have to worry about sounding cool in those. So I get those written and then it's like, okay, so what's the short description for the post? And now I'm in a place where it's like, okay, it's super easy to write the description because I've just done all my work. I've just figured out everything I'm going to say. I just have to, you know, write it into a clever description. Since you were taking some of these, these blog posts for our leveling up newsletter and you needed some, some text to put in those emails, um, I started adding like a long description, which uh -huh. essentially, essentially what it is, is I, I take the, you know, explain it like I'm five explanation of the article. I 
make it look a little nicer. And then I just sort of append the short description to it. So it's like there's almost a formula for doing it. So it's super easy. And then also things like little quotes and stuff from the article for Twitter. Like all this stuff that if when I was doing it after the fact was super sort of ad hoc and kind of stressful because it would be like, you know, 10 things I have to remember yeah, every time. Makes you want to procrastinate. Yeah, exactly. So this actually gets done before the blog is, po is posted. It takes about like 20 or 30 minutes to fill out. And then um, I used to copy and paste everything over uh, to create the um, to create the file for a static site generator. But I since was like, that's dumb. So I started I started saving everything the data sheet in, in YAML format. And so I wrote a little build tool that um, takes the data sheet <laughs> and then spits out the, the blog posts with, you know, all the images in the right directories and, and everything. So it's, it's pretty sweet. It's pretty slick. Nice. So that was um, my hour long excuse to brag about my little um, build tool I wrote. Well, that's, that's cool. Yeah, that sounds yeah. pretty awesome. Sounds like we could build a product that does all that. Oh my God. <laughs> We could if everybody does exactly the same thing we do. Yeah. I really liked uh, the, the editing process you, you talked about, like, especially like with the, the idea of like submitting pull requests, like back to the author for them to collaborate on your edits. And I thought, I thought that was really cool. Maybe there should be a, a SaaS out there that's dedicated to editors for like that kind of editing process. Maybe it could have like the, um, that like, super high powered diffing that Delta Walker has, but also do like pull requests against it and stuff and reviews. Cause it's funny. It's like, I was looking at proof hub and like uh, it, I mean, it looks like it has a lot of features, but it also like at, at like face, like at face value, it, it also looks a lot just like, um, like a Kanban board. So it always strikes me like how much, how many tools can probably be replaced by notion these days. <laughs> I'm using the, the, the tool in ways that, I didn't necessarily think I was going to use it when I started out. So it could be that it could be that a different tool would be appropriate now, maybe because of the way I'm actually using it now, I just haven't gone back to it because that would be a lot of work to, to change everything over. All right. Well, I've talked to all the year off. So um, if y'all have anything to say, like, let me know. Otherwise I'll, I'll let y'all, um, I'll let y'all go. Yeah, that was great. I think we're good. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. This has been Founder Quest. Uh, yeah. So if you want to review us, go to Apple Podcasts and do that. I think that's what it's called now. I always forget every week. If you want to write for us, if you know this is like like sparked a, a fire, um, we hire people to do um, programming sort of tutorial type content with you know a lot of Ruby and then a, a smattering of other stuff as well. So just, just go to honeybadger.io forward slash blog and look for the Write For Us page. Read the whole thing. Read the whole thing and understand it before you um, contact me. And I will be seeing you, I guess. Founder Quest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360-degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word, where you can access our huge back catalog of episodes. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week. <laughs>